0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: The power of prayer to deliver. The power of prayer to deliver. If you have your Bibles, please open to the book of Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12. Acts of the Apostles, chapter twelve. We'll read a couple of verses there, and we'll make certain we'll make a comment. Acts of the Apostles, chapter twelve. We're reading from verse number one. Now, about the time Herod the king stretched out his hands to harass some of the church, then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw he pleased the Jew, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was the days of your living bread. So when he had, when he had arrested him. He, set, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God by him, for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now before, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by, And the light shone around the prison. And he struck Peter on the side. And raised him up saying arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Now, in this verse of the scripture, the Bible tells us that Herod was already having a good time. The Bible says he straightforward the hands to be able to do what? To harass the church and to trouble the church. In other words, he had made up his mind he was going to mess with the church. And the Bible said that in the process of messing with the church, he killed James, the brother of John. And when he saw that that thing was exciting to the Jews, he saw that the Jews liked the killing of James, he now decided, okay, why stop at James? Let's pick Peter and add Peter to the list. And the Bible said he picked Peter and he took peter kept him in jail and his intention was to bring peter out so that he can gain more favor with the jews uh, there was also you know the the church at this point in time was going through that terrible you know they were going through that terrible time they were going through a period where the believers were not sure what was going on they were going through the period where they were asking themselves how do we protect ourselves from the church and the bible tells us in verse number five uh, that as uh, the church now started to pray because they saw that james was gone And they knew that if they did not do anything peter was also in line to be able to go so they started to pray and i'm sure some of the church some in the church must have been asking themselves the question you see herod killing everybody and you are praying Herod is taking our people one by one, and you are praying. Herod has been praising Peter, our leader, and you are praying. Herod is executing our people, and you are praying. Is it not you know? Is it not possible? You know, it is possible that somebody in the church might be asking that question, and they might be saying that you guys are not serious. You guys are in a la la land. It's just like when you when you talk about people today, and you ask them, "Did you pray?" They look at you as if you are from a different planet. As if prayer is completely a meaningless exercise And I'm sure there are people who would have questioned that issue I'll say, Why are you praying right now This is not the time for you to pray This is the time you are supposed to fight fire in fire This is the time you are supposed to go against the herald This is the time you are supposed to form a resistance This is the time you are supposed to organize a protest This is the time you are supposed to speak to your congressman So that they stop they stop persecuting the church They stop persecuting the, the believers This is the time where you are supposed to go to the court Make sure your man is on the supreme court So that when he gets there you have an advocate this was, that's, I'm sure there are people who have been talking like that in the, in the church at Jerusalem at that time, but the Bible says that the church did not do that. The church did what? The church prayed. Why Peter was done? Why Peter was in uh, was in jail? And the question is: Why would the church be praying when they could be involved in some other activity? Why would the church be praying? Why would anyone pray in a situation like that? Why would the, anyone be saying, "Okay, the only resource that we have in a time when things are difficult is for us to go to prayer"? Why? Now, the Bible did not tell us specific details. But one thing I want to suggest to you is that the church in Jerusalem at that time prayed because they understood that they were not fighting flesh and blood. The Bible tells us, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, reading from verse number 12, we says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When somebody picks an individual that does not do anything to you and just kills that person, you know that is not just physical. You know that is what we, mean. In, our, in, our, in our local language, you call it a name. You don't wake up one day and just kill people. Something else is going on. And the church understood that they were not just fighting. Herod, they were not fighting the Roman authority, they were fighting a spiritual battle, and the only way you can deal with a spiritual battle is to go spiritual, and that's why they started praying. Why did the church pray? The church prayed because they understood that they were fighting a spiritual battle. Number three, the church prayed because they knew that the weapon of their warfare was not canal, in other words, you cannot fight a spiritual battle by argument in courts. You cannot fight a spiritual battle by going in front of a TV camera and begin to debate your situation. You don't fight a spiritual battle by trying to organize a protest. You fight a spiritual battle by going on your knees and talking and making connection in the heavenlies. They understood that the weapon of their warfare is not carnal. That's what the Bible tells in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, in verse number 4. It says, For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. The church understood that there was a spiritual stronghold that was bent on destroying the church and his intention was to go against the leadership of the church and in the process of going against the leadership if the church did nothing the spiritual pillar of the church will be pulled down they understood that that the weapon that the, the only way you can fight it is to use the spiritual weapon the church prayed because they understood that victory can only come when you take up the whole armor of god the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 say, so, wherefore take up the whole armor of God whereby you are able to stand in evil day. They understood that they were in an evil time. Just like many of us understood that we are in evil time right now. When right is wrong and wrong is right. When the things that are upside down appear are now being proclaimed as the standard by which we should live. A Christian must understand that we are living in a precarious time. And the only way you can stand is for you to take up the whole armor of God. The church understood it and they understood that if Peter was going to survive, the only way they were going to do it was to take up the whole armor of God. And finally, the church prayed because they understood that prayer is the only way through which you can move the hands of God. If you are just, if you think it is, if if you are if, if you imagine that crying will solve your problem, a lot of people would have had their problem solved because there are a lot of people who are experts at crying when the situation goes very bad if you know if worry will solve your problem a lot of people will have had their problems solved because they are expert warriors but the Bible makes us to understand that the only way that a man can receive solution is to call upon the name of the Lord in the time of trouble. Psalm 50 verse 15 tells us, Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. How do you call upon the name of the Lord? You go on your knees and you fall on your face before the Almighty God in prayer and you ask that the Lord should deliver me. That's why the Lord tells us, He said, Call upon me. I will hear and I will answer. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The church Understood that. That was why they prayed. And if you and I do not understand this, it will be very, very difficult for you to pray when things go out, you know, go out of balance. And this leads us to ask a very bigger question: Why do we, as believers, pray? Is it because we don't have anything better to do, or is it because we are living in an alternative universe, or is it because we are living in a denial, or we are using prayer as an anchor for not doing what we are supposed to do? Why do we pray? As a believer, why do we pray as a church? Why do you pray as a family? Why do we pray? Why do we gather every 10 o'clock and just say, Lord God Almighty, hear our cry and attend unto our prayer? Why do we pray? We pray as Christian because the word of God commands it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Pray without ceasing, pray continually. That's why we pray. Number two, we pray because that is the way you communicate with the Almighty God. The Bible says, If my people who are called by my name, they are humble themselves and pray, then I will do what? I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. It is the way we communicate with the almighty God. We pray because that is the way we access the power of the almighty God. Say, so call upon me and I will hear and I will answer. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. We pray because that is the way. That is it. That is, that is one way that God has patterned To be able to effect change In other words he says that Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven your will, The will of God cannot be done on earth Unless we are able to ask him to repeat What is going on in heaven Even in our midst The way God effect change in the life of the people of God The way the almighty God effect change Is through his people Calling upon his name to be able to pray And you remember the Bible tells us That we are partners with the almighty God in other words, God will not do anything except, to, first of all, those words he talks to reveals it to his, to his people, the prophets. In other words, God will not act independent of his own people. If, God, if you want God's intervention in any situation, you have to partner with him in the altar of prayer. Christians pray because one way that it is one way that the Lord partners with them. Christians pray because it's a way we move God into action. We pray because our power will show our dependence upon the Almighty God. We pray because that's the only way you can stop the onslaught of hell. Things are not going on the way you expect it to go. If you don't pray, nothing will change. Nothing will change. When I was growing up, I was told that the only way you can survive on earth is three things. Is either you have a lot of money, okay, or you have a lot of juju, or you have a lot of God, okay? If you have a lot of money, you can pay the guy who has a lot of juju, or pay the guy who has a lot of God. The guy who has a lot of juju will do the juju for you, or the guy who has a lot of God will pray for you. If you have a lot of juju, or you are already set to, you can handle it yourself. If you have a lot of God, you can handle it yourself. But those are the three ways in which you can survive. If you don't have any of those ones you don't have god you don't have you don't have money i'm sorry for you but that's a story for another day so but the point you are making is that there is a need for the people of god to pray if they want to stop the onslaught of hell you cannot expect things to change if we are not willing to go down on our knees and call upon the name of the lord and then the question is why and what then you know why did the prayer, you know, why, what, 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 when we pray, what do we really pray for? That's the question. When, Pete, when they were praying for Peter, what were they praying for? What were the things that they wanted to see happen? The Bible did not tell us. But one thing we do know in verse number 5 is that Peter was kept in prison and the church offered prayer continually for him. In verse number twelve, the Bible tells us. So when, so when they had, uh, had considered it, he came to the house of Mary and uh, whose name was and uh, whose name is, whose uh, son was Mark, where many were gathered praying. In other words, there was prayer that was being made for Peter, but the Bible did not tell us what they were praying for. The Bible did not tell us what the content of that prayer was. But when Christians gather together to pray, when we as believers gather together to pray, what do we pray for? What are the things that is the agenda that we are calling? What are we talking to God about? What are we praying about? Let me suggest to you that when as Christians, when we come together and we start praying, the first thing we we'll pray for is the exaltation of the name of the Almighty God in, the life, in our lives and in our, in our surroundings. We pray that God will exalt his name in the world. Number two, we pray that God will extend his kingdom. In other words, the glory of God that you see in your life, you want to see it in your family. You want to see it in your place of war. You want to see it among your members of the church. You want to see it everywhere you are. You want the glory of God extended around the world. Number three, when we gather together to pray, what do we pray for? We pray that God will demonstrate his power in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the church, in everywhere where we find ourselves with signs and wonders. So that when people call upon name of the Lord, we want to see the sign following that particular name. Number four, when do we when, when we pray? What do we pray for? We pray that God will intervene in our lives with miraculous, you know, with miraculous deliverance. In other words, many who are tied down, many who are held up, the Lord. When we pray, we are praying that the Lord God Almighty will set them free. That's why we pray. When do we pray? We pray so that we can get to know God better. So that we can have a better relationship with Him. You can understand His mind. You can understand what He wants to do. You can understand the things that are going on in His spirit. You can understand where God wants you to be. And what He wants you to be doing. And the intervention He wants you to be able to have in the lives of the people that are around you. He wants you You want to understand His mind so that you want to know what He wants you to do on how to better other people and introduce them and bring them into the kingdom. Number six, why do we pray? We pray so that we do not fall into the trap and the temptation that the enemy has set for us. The Bible said that we should be sober and be vigilant because the, our adversary, the enemy, is looking for it's like a lion, it's like a raring lion seeking who may divorce. And when you pray, you are praying so that you don't fall into the trap of the enemy. And finally, why do we pray? We pray so that anytime we fall, anytime we make mistake, the Lord God Almighty will forgive. That's why the Bible says that when we sin, He said we have an advocate who is in this, who is with the Father in heaven. He said that's why if we, when we repent of our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means that when we do things that are not in, that are contrary to the will of God when you pray one of the things you pray for is that the Lord Almighty will purge and cleanse you so that you can be in good standing with him and the question now is why don't you pray why don't I pray because it's one thing to talk about prayer it's wanting to talk about what the church in the what the, uh, what the early church did to be able to bring Peter out but the question is why don't we pray why don't we pray Acts of the Apostles chapter 12 Bible makes us to understand that, that the people of God, they pray. But for us as believers in this present world today, why don't we pray? Number one, we do not pray because there is what is called the lack of faith. Romans, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 6, the Bible tells us there, it said that he that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently believe him. If you don't believe that God will hear and answer your prayer why are you wasting your time praying? Because it's a waste of time. It's a waste of exercise. You're just beating the air if you don't believe that God hears and answers your prayer. So many of us do not pray because we don't believe that God hears and answers our prayer. Because we don't have the faith to believe that God hears and answers prayer. Number two, why don't we pray? We don't pray because of self, you know, because of our flesh and our self-sufficiency. The Bible tells us that the spirit, the spirit is willing. You talk to a lot of people; their spirit wants to pray, but the the flesh is weak. In other words, you go down on your knees. Oh Jesus' name, and that's the end of the story. You know, <laughs> the Lord will help us. So it's not because sometimes it's not sometimes not because we don't want to pray, but it's because the flesh is weak, and sometimes we feel self sufficient. Number three, why don't we pray? We pray because number one because of the fact that many of us are just simply lazy, lazy and lack of discipline. You know, we may be safe, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the discipline, we will not be able to spend quality time in the presence of the Almighty God. The Bible said, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He said, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. You have to, first of all, do what? There has to be that desire. There has to be that delight. And then a commitment to prayer before you can pray. So many of us don't pray. Number one, because. We don't believe in the. We don't believe that God will hear us. Number two, because of our flesh is weak. Number three, because of laziness. Number four, because of misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Bible makes us to understand that the Lord God Almighty. When the Lord, when the Spirit of the Almighty God was talking to the church at the uh, the, the, the church, in, uh, the Ephesus church in the book of Revelation, He said, "I have this against you that you have left your first love." Therefore, remember where you are falling and repent. many of us we loved the Lord when we first started, but as things went on, yes, sorts of things began to happen. things began to happen in our right to relate to the business in our business and so many distractions came in, such that our lives became so crowded that God was no longer God no longer has a place. To occupy in our heart misplaced priority that's why many of us are not able to pray because we have a lot of things going on in our life number four number five many of us do not pray because of ignorance and lack of knowledge ignorance of what the power prayer is ignorance of the knowledge of the Word of God that is why many of us do not pray many of us do not pray simply because our life is not right with God why will you talk to somebody who you know that you are not right with why would you talk to somebody when you know that there is sin in our lives? When there is sin, prayer becomes very difficult to pray. And then finally many of us do not pray because we are simply discouraged. We have been praying. We have been calling upon the name of the Lord. We have been asking Him. And if you check our prayer point for last year and the year before and the years and the years before, you find that the same thing is being repeated. Oh Lord, do this for me. Oh Lord, do this for me. And you have been praying. And you have been praying. And you have been praying. And for some reason, those things are not coming to pass. And then you begin to wonder, I all. We have prayed, we have prayed, we have prayed, that nothing is happening. So what, what is the essence of praying? Why should I pray when God is not listening to me? Discouragement sets in. And as soon as discouragement sets in, what you will find is that the willingness and the desire to pray goes out. But the Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, you look at the situation. The Bible tells us in the book of First, I think it's First Samuel chapter 30, first Samuel, chapter 30 yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, first Samuel, the Bible was telling about the the, the story of uh, the story of, of David. When David came, when the people came and they took away, they took away his sons and his daughters and his wife and everything. And the Bible told us something about David. He said, "And David encouraged himself in the Lord." In other words, discouragement will come. In other words. Answers to prayer will be delayed. That's what we talked about on Sunday. There's going to be a gap between the period of the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise of God. But if you don't know how to encourage yourself, there will be a strong tendency that you will stop praying. And that is why people don't pray. Apart from the sin, apart from the lack of knowledge, apart from the displaced priority, the laziness and the flesh and the, and the and the lack of faith, discouragement is the biggest challenge that we face in the church. Because answers to prayer are delayed many do not want to pray. The question tonight is, how did we get to this point? How, do, how, how, how does a believer get to the point where they are not able to pray? How do they get to the point where, you know, where prayer becomes very difficult? How do you get to the point where you are able to overcome the challenges that pray, that, lack of, that, that inability to pray poses in the life of an individual? In other words, for you to be able to pray effectively, what must you do? Number one, when you pray, when you come to the presence of the Almighty God to seek His faith, you must come believing that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, you must pray. When you pray, you must pray with faith. Number two, when you pray, you must pray with the Word of God. In other words, you open the scriptures. You read the promise of the Almighty God and you repeat the promise back unto Him. And you say, this is what you said. And you take that word, you take it back unto Him. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did when He was praying. He said, it is written. It is written. You have to take the word back unto Him. Number four, number three, you pray in the Spirit. The Bible says we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit prays through us with groaning that cannot be uttered in words. In other words, if you don't know how to pray in Spirit, you are going to be limited in your ability to Pray, And that is why when you want to pray and you are going to be effective in prayer, in the altar of prayer, you must, number one, pray with faith. You must, number two, pray with the word of God. Number three, you must pray in the spirit. Number four, you must pray with thanksgiving. Because the Bible says the Lord God Almighty inhabit the praise of his people. Many of us who are from the traditional African setting, you understand what praise does. You look at a rich man and he gets these particular people to come and sing for him. And as the praise singers begin to beat the drum, the man can give up everything that he has just because he feels the, 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 the praise that is coming on to him. It makes his head to swell. I don't know how you understand that analogy in the American language, but it makes you um, it makes uh, you know what I'm saying, it makes you feel it makes you feel uh, important it makes you feel big, when somebody is singing your prayer, telling you how good you are telling you how beautiful you look, telling you how wonderful you are, telling you what the best thing that ever happened after sliced bread, you know after all those things, when they tell you all those good things, what happens is that it makes you, it makes you want to do more for that person, it tells you that that person appreciates you, that's what you do when you come into the presence of the almighty God, you're not coming just to say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me if you do that, it gets to a point that you yourself you ask yourself, your daughter comes the only time your brother comes to meet you is to ask for something, and when they get that thing, they disappear. You will see that person for the next two, three weeks, and then when that particular money is gone, they come back again. Say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, and, and at one point in time, you like, get away from me. God doesn't do that, but the point is that if you want to enjoy fellowship with Him, you must know how to pray with thanksgiving and with praise. And that's why you'll notice that any time we pray here, we spend a long period of time singing praise because it has a way of bringing down the Spirit of God into our midst. It has a way of lifting your spirit up. It has a way of taking you to a different realm when you are praying. And so if you want to be able to achieve, if you want to be able to move further in prayer, you must learn to pray in faith. Learn to pray the Word of God. Learn to pray in the Spirit. Learn to pray with thanksgiving and praise. And you must also learn to pray without guile. That means you must learn to pray by forgiving and releasing whatever is in your system. As long as there's something churning in your system. You are praying now, you are praying now for some minutes or for, for a second you open your eyes and you see that sister and say, ah, this sister is here too. And then you turn your back and you are praying. You cannot go very far. Because there is something that is still inside of you. There is that brother or that sister that you don't like. There is something that is going at the back of your mind that is not allowing you to focus. You must learn to pray without God. You must learn to pray and ask for forgiveness. And release those who have offended you. You have to let your heart be clear. The Bible said that the seed of bitterness must not up in your heart so that it does not defile you. When you have all those things loaded in your heart, you will not be able to pray. Unless you are a psychopath or sociopath, I don't know the difference between the two, but I know there's a path between them. If you are a sociopath and you are holding the you are holding the hands of somebody that you are angry with and you are praying in tongues, something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. And for those who are involved in the marriage cancelling business, you know, one of the easiest ways you can settle a quarrel between two people or two partners, husband and wife, now we have to use it as partners. So that we don't get ourselves in trouble. The only way you can settle the problem between two partners is to tell them after they fight, let them hold their hands and pray. If they are able to pray, then you know there's nothing happening in there. But if they are able to pray and there's still something inside of them, something is wrong with the two of them. Serious, something is wrong with the two of them. But if you are going to pray, you must be able to pray without guile. You make sure there is nothing inside of you. Pudge your system. So when the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching the disciples to pray, he said what? He said, forgive us our debts. As we forgive those who sin against us. In other words, there has to be that release. And then number six, you have to pray with a purpose. Why are you there in the presence of the Almighty God? Are you there just because you just feel this is what the pastor said we should be doing and out here? Are you there because you want to appear as if you are the most righteous person? Are you there because you look like a person who doesn't walk on you know who walk on water? Do what is your purpose for prayer? Why are you in the presence of the Almighty God? What are you asking him for? What is the reason why you are there? If you don't have a purpose, your prayer will be aimless. If your prayer, if your reason for coming to the presence of the Almighty God is just to worship him, you will find out that your worship will be sweet. But if your reason for coming to the presence of the Almighty God is just to do it so that you can also check and mark that yes, you are also praying. Or you are praying for 30 minutes. Or you are praying for one hour. Or you are praying for three hours. So that you can brag in, you, you brag in the committee of your holy friends that you are a very prayerful person. Then you have missed the mark. You must pray with purpose. And then finally, you pray with expectation. What is the essence of prayer if you're not going to get the result? Okay? Why am I wasting my time talking to the Almighty God if I know God is not going to hear me? why am I spending my time sticking, you know staying awake and you know I used to tell people that you know if you, if you if you want to be if you want to serve God serve God if you don't want to serve God stop wasting your time I mean if you want to go to hell go in style be a true criminal don't waste your time and be a petty you know those petty petty sinner be a serious one. So that when, the God, when the God wants to punish you, he has, he has no problem. But when you are doing this, uh, I'm not suggesting that you be a, a bad person. You know. I'm only saying if you want to serve God, serve God. If you don't want to serve God, stop wasting everybody's time. But the point you are making is that when you pray, pray with expectation. Believe that there is a God that hears and answers prayer. Believe that when you call upon his name, he hears you. Even it might be delayed. Even there may be a gap. They might not get what you want. The Lord God Almighty might be saying, wait, or I might give you something else. Or the Lord Almighty might be giving you a different revelation. But one thing you know is that the Lord is the God that hears and answers prayer. That is His promise. He has done it in the past. He is doing it right now. He will continue to do it. Your case cannot be an impossible situation. It's not possible. Because God has not created what He has not been able to deal with. And that is why when you come into his presence, come with an expectation. Come that yes, God Almighty will hear you. Come believing that God will do something in your life. And I can assure you, it might not be the way you look at it, it might not be the time you want it, it might not be in the shape that you expected, but God will visit with you. And that is what happened to the children to the church here. That's what happened to the church in the, you know, in Jerusalem at that time. They were praying, but they were not expecting, they were praying. They did not know how God was going to do it. They were praying, but they did not know that God himself was, had a different agenda. The issue today is this. Are you going to let discouragement? Are you going to let laziness? Are you going to let your weakness, the weakness of your flesh? Are you going to let ignorance? Are you going to let any of those things separate you? The Bible says, when Paul the Apostle was asking the question, he said, what will separate us from the love of God? He said, a tribulation shall fade, pain, pain, famine, whatever is it is. It, what is it that will separate us from the love of God? What is it that will keep you from your altar of prayer? What will keep you from talking to the Almighty God who can hear and answer your prayer? Is it discouragement? It will come to pass. Is it pain? It will come to pass. But one thing we know, David told us, he said, I have been young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seeds begging bread. And I know that word is still true today because our God is a faithful God. Let's bow our heads as we talk to the Almighty God.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.